Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you back for week eight, day five, in our look to the book of Isaiah. As we look at Isaiah 66 today, we come to the end of our study of Isaiah, this book about God's vision for change and God's vision for comfort in your life. There's no better place to end than with what Isaiah has to say about the hand of the Lord in this last chapter. In verse 14 of Isaiah 66, the scripture says, when you see this, your heart will rejoice and you'll flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord will be made known to his servants. The hand of the Lord will be made known to his servants. God wants to make known to you the ways that he's at work in this world. There's tremendous impact in seeing God's hand at work in this world, in our history, in your life. When the hand of the Lord is made known to you as his servant, it does some great things for you. Even in this verse, it talks about it. Your heart will rejoice. It results in the joyful Christian life. You will flourish like grass. It results in the growing Christian life. You need to see the hand of the Lord at work. It's as if you see written across the situations of your life, this great big sign, God at work across the people, the problems, the successes, the, the past, the future, this sign, God at work. That's the hand of the Lord. This passage of Isaiah makes clear to us five specific ways that the hand of the Lord is at work in our world today. Five ways you need to see the hand of the Lord at work in your world today. You might remember them by the five fingers on your hand. First, the hand of creation. Verses one and two talk about this. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. When, when we worship together on the weekends in our churches, our songs are filled with words that encourage us to notice God is creator, that God's at work in the creation of this world. But do we notice it during the week? Do we, do we thank God for what we're seeing, for what he's made, what he's brought about? When we begin to see God's hand of creation at work, it brings joy. It brings growth into our lives. When we begin to take his creation for granted, it cuts into our joy. It slows down our growth. We are surrounded by living, breathing, majestic object lessons of God's hand at work in our world. And as we notice them, God impacts our hearts. Now, Isaiah reminds us here of one truth that our notice of God's handiwork should drive home. We can't build a house for God. Who can build a house for me? He's built it all. So when we build a church, we're not building a house for God. We're building a place for us to worship God who built it all. When you notice God's hand of creation, you're more and more reminded God doesn't need you. He made you. He doesn't need you to appease him. He wants you to praise him because he knows what it does for your heart. So we don't help God out by serving him. The opportunity to love, to serve him, they're simply wonderful gifts given by a God who doesn't need us, but who truly loves us. That's what you see in the hand of creation. The second hand here in Isaiah 66 is the hand of blessing. Now, these verses, verses two to four, talk to us about who does God lay his hand of blessing upon? And, and Sometimes it's not what we would exactly expect. Not the person who seems outwardly to be making the biggest sacrifices. There's some things that are in our hearts. And those things in our hearts are what God lays his hand of blessing upon. There's this very clear contrast in verses 2 to 4 of the kind of person that God blesses and the kind of person that God judges. 
Verse 2, the last half says, This is the one I esteem, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. That's the hand of blessing. On the other hand, in the last half of verse 3, it talks about those who have chosen their own ways and their souls delight in their abominations. Or in verse 4, when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. There's this contrast going here between the humble and those who have chosen their own ways. God's hand of blessing are on those who have the humility to say yes to God rather than choosing their own way. It might seem like a good way. It may not even seem like an evil way. But to choose my own way is to choose myself out of the hand of blessing because the hand of blessing is choosing to say yes to God. There's a contrast between the contrite of spirit here and those whose souls delight in abominations. The, the soul of one who delights in God or the soul of one who delights in sin. And to delight in God, it reminds us here, I have to be contrite in spirit. Sorry that I've delighted in the wrong things, that, I, that I've trusted in the wrong things. And to be contrite in spirit is also to turn and start to trust to God to build my delight in him. And there's this third contrast between those who tremble at my word in verse 2, and then the last half of verse 4, those who, for whom when I called, no one answered. They wouldn't even answer. On the one hand, you have a person who doesn't even listen. On the other hand, someone who takes God's voice so seriously, they tremble when he speaks. You want to be the kind of person God blesses? You take his word seriously. You are contrite in spirit. You take your sin seriously and you turn to him. You're humble in spirit. You take God's direction seriously. You say yes to him. And God says, this is the one I esteem. That's a great way to express God's hand of blessing in our lives. We, we talk a lot about self-esteem in these days, the ability to see yourself in the right kind of way as a worthy, as an important person. These verses remind us that self-esteem begins with God's esteem. You don't seek to esteem yourself. You seek to get God's esteem. How do you do that? Being humble, being contrite in spirit, trembling, listening to his word. God says, that's a worthy person. That's how you live out God's hand of blessing. A third hand that we see in these verses. There's a lot in Isaiah chapter 66, worth reading through again, studying again and again. We're just walking through this quickly. Is the hand of judgment, verses five and six. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. Your brothers who hate you and who exclude you because of my name have said, let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy, yet they will be put to shame. Hear that uproar from the city? Hear that noise from the temple? It is the sound of the Lord repaying his enemies all they deserve. These verses begin with religious people, with religious power and religious words. Let the Lord be glorified. Let, let me see God working in your life. And they're going to be put to shame. This gives significant light on God's hand of judgment. It's a time of shame. It's not just a time of suffering, but a time of shame. Adam and Eve in the garden, when they were judged for their sin, they were ashamed. Mankind at the end of, end of time, as we are judged for our sin, we will be ashamed. That is the hand of God. And the hand of God of judgment is at work. We don't see it now, but it will be seen at the end in eternity. Do not let Satan fool you ever into thinking that the world is getting away with something when it sins. It may seem so for a moment or even a lifetime. It will not seem so in eternity. And at the end, we will all either be ashamed because of what we've done, or 
we will praise Jesus Christ that he took that shame of what we've done upon himself at the cross. Jesus died for your sin. He died for your shame. You don't have to be ashamed in God's presence because he took that shame. The hand of judgment reminds me that I need his forgiveness. Fourth hand that's talked about in Isaiah 66 is the hand of deliverance in verses 7 to 11. Gives this picture of a woman and it says, before she goes into labor, she gives birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who's ever heard of such a thing? Who's ever seen such things? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. Do I bring to the moment of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? Do I close up the womb when I bring to delivery, says your God? He talks in verse 7 about giving birth without labor. These verses look back to Genesis 3, verse 16. The curse of sin. The curse of when you give birth to a child, it will be with great labor. And now here is a birth without any labor. This is a picture of the curse of sin being taken away. It's a picture of God delivering us out of the curse of sin. He uses the picture of a delivery of a baby to show us that God's going to deliver us out away from the curse of sin. Just as a, as a baby is delivered into this world, God will deliver those who trust him out of the curse of sin into the promise of a restored relationship with God. He's talking about your spiritual life here, about your relationship with God. Just as Jesus was when he talked about being born again in his conversation with Nicodemus. This new birth. brought. There's this picture in these verses. It will be brought forth in a moment. This describes so much of what God has done for his people. For Israel, what he brought forth as he released them from captivity. What he brought forth as he brought them back to their nation. And has brought them back again and again. And for followers of Jesus... What he brought forth in the birth of Jesus, in the birth of the church at Pentecost, in the new birth of everyone who trusts in him, and the rebirth of creation into a new heaven and a new earth, in a moment, God does this. That's the hand of deliverance. And then finally, the fifth hand of God that's talked about in Isaiah 66 is the hand of comfort. The last half of Isaiah begins and ends with a message of God's comfort for your life. He doesn't want you to get comfortable with where you are. He does want you to be comforted in order to become all that he wants you to be. Isaiah 66, 12 to 13, for this is what the Lord says. I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. Now, just, just look at these pictures of God's comfort in our lives. Peace like a river just flowing by. Wealth like a flooding stream, more than we can handle. As a mother comforts her child, I will comfort you. And it gives this picture of you, you will nurse, you will be carried, you will be dandled on her knees. Dandled. What's that word? Let's end our study of Isaiah with this word, D-A-N-D-L-E-D. Not dangled, dandled. What does it mean? Well, you look it up in the dictionary. To be dandled on a knee, that's the playful way that we bounce a child on our knees. We've all done this. We just not use this word. God dandles you. He's like a parent lovingly bouncing you on his knees in 
enjoying his relationship with you, delighting in who you are, but also looking forward to your growth and all that he's going to cause you to be. The first word in the book of Isaiah is vision. What's God's vision for your life? It's a vision for change. It's a vision for comfort. It's a vision for you seeing all the ways that he enjoys who you are right now, what he's doing in your life, but you also seeing all the ways that he's calling into being new things in your life, all that he wants to see happen. That's the vision of God for your life. Let's pray together. Father, help us to live with vision. Not our vision, but your vision. Your vision for our lives. Your vision for change. Not staying like we were, becoming all that you've called us to be. Your vision for comfort. Not settling for things like they are, but living out what you're creating in our lives because we're experiencing the comfort of your spirit, the strength and power of your comfort in our lives. Help us to live with the vision of what you're doing in our lives today and what you're going to call into being in all of eternity. And let that vision, not what somebody says about us, not what somebody did to us, not what happened last year or last week or today, let that vision become what drives our lives forward. Let that vision become what more than anything else is the voice that we hear. Let your vision be called to being in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm grateful that you've studied all the way through this long book of Isaiah with all the encouragement that it has. I want to encourage you to stay with us for Drive Time Devotions for the next book that's going to come up on our regular study. Or you can go to drivetimedevotions.com or get the app on your phone, study any book that you want. I am glad that you have a love for studying God's Word. 